traders around the world we got some big news but before i get into it hopefully if you've been watching the charts you will notice that my call was pretty much spot on where i said you know we're seeing a little bit of recovery but until we see bitcoin and ethereum and bnb and the other core tokens recover we're not really recovered that's what you see you're not seeing significant amounts of sell-off of the altcoins or the secondary layer coins you're seeing that they're being impacted by the price movements of the Bitcoin and Ethereum predominantly, but also BNB. BNB is at an all-time low. I was I was shocked at seeing, not not historic all-time low, but I mean just in general, this guy went as high as six hundred dollars at a point. So to see it at the price that it's at was a little bit staggering for me, <laughs> to put in perspective. And of course, there's tokens that are launching. There's tokens that are doing IDOs and everything else, and then they're having to do this when the industry is just in the crapper. Now, of course. For you, as an investor, this is a good thing. It's a discount. It's something where you can add to your bag to increase your position because I can guarantee you that things will rebound. We just don't know when. Like, everybody agrees. Everybody. It doesn't matter who you talk to. Everybody agrees that we this too shall pass. We shall come out stronger on the back end. The challenge is we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't exactly know, precisely know, when things will start moving in the positive direction. And as a result, many people that are making predictions, it's hard for them to kind of hold to the prediction with confidence because things keep shifting. And it all comes back to, guys, the Ethereum, Bitcoin, BNB, Phantom, Polygon, Matic, right, AVAX. It all comes back to the core tokens. At the end of the day, that's where, it's, that's where it starts and ends. The entire industry is banked on those tokens and their price movement affects everything else. So the big takeaway of this, if you take nothing else away, the takeaway is that there's nothing wrong other than with the core tokens. That's what's affecting everything else. Any investments that you have, don't think that they're rug pulling you or scamming you or any of this kind of stuff. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that a lot of these big whales are selling out of their Bitcoin positions on mass. And I'll talk about that in a second. There are also the governmental things that are harming sentiment. There's a lot going on, but it's, I assure you, as long as you've listened to solid advice and you followed the fundamental review that I keep talking about as far as white paper, KYC, and other things, as long as you follow the due diligence points, I assure you there's nothing wrong with your actual portfolio of investments. It's really more an indication of the general sentiment of the market. And it's one of those where despite your temptation to the contrary, you have to simply Hold the line, remain firm. It will pass. We just don't know when, but you're going to have to weather the storm and treat this as a test. This is a test of you being an investor in the long term. When these happen, they're going to happen on a regular basis. How regular, we don't know. But we do know that there's more hot and heavy discussion about cryptocurrency happening. And when that happens, it's going to harm sentiment and sentiment's going to affect your price movement until you get to a point where you are. That's why I said before, until you get to a point where you are able to realize profit from your coins, this is the reason I'm not so sold on the hold, 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 as I covered in a past episode. Rather, I think the smarter answer is to make sure that you are taking profit when it makes sense for you. I'm not going to tell you when to take profit. I'm saying that when it makes sense for you, ideally you would just take profit 
and maintain your position because that keeps you in a stronger place. Because generally speaking, your fiat in your country might also be getting harmed by what's going on. But you can also, you know, withdraw your, let's say, profits from, I don't know if you're in SHIV or something else, obviously SHIV's down, but you know what I'm saying. You could have a token, it gets some profit certain weeks, you're up a little bit. You could cash that out to a stable coin, and the stable coin, for the most part, is going to persist its value because that's what it's built for. And then just use that to weather the storm. I wouldn't keep doing that, though, because you might have tokens that give you reflections, and you won't get reflections if you do that. Or you might have farming things where you're putting your tokens in or you're staking for something and they give you rewards. I would just let those marinate. In fact, if you have tokens and you've never used the staking or you've never used farming or in the exchanges, you've never used the APYs that are offered, this might be a good time to get into those because that gives you an opportunity to continually add to your bag without out-of-pocket investment. If you're in a good position from a salary perspective or from a benefits perspective where you're not like your family's not going hungry and you're not you're not at risk financially then it might be okay to stack some bags by the dips but if you're depending on the money in the crypto i want to stress this despite what you might have heard on other youtubes or anything else you sell when it makes sense for you if it makes sense for you to liquidate and take care of your family that to me should be your priority that's my opinion on it i'm not a fan of just hold 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 regardless of your people going hungry or whatever else. What I am saying is that if you're in a good position where you're not dependent on the crypto, and ideally we all want to be there, right? It's just a secondary source of potential profit and income. If you're in that position and you're in a good spot, to me, this is a good time to buy on the dips and add to your bags as long as you're confident in the project and the project's been taking care of you and they've not been abusing you and they've not been misleading you and they've not been any other way giving you a reason not to, you know, there, there are projects you might be bullish on, completely bullish on, but you just can't stand the people. If you're bullish on the project, buy into it and just ignore the noise from the people that are misusing it. You know, that's how I feel about Satama. I have a small Satama bag. I did sell the vast majority of it, but that's because it was for profit. I've been selling for profit since I bought in initially because it didn't make sense to hold it because despite them dropping zeros, once that failed Vegas event happened, I already knew that it was going to be hard for them to come out on the back end, and this is what we're seeing, and it's still not a good state. Meanwhile, the price is going down to the point that I can buy in, and by the time I believe it hits its bottom, it'll be the same price I initially bought in at, but the difference is now they're on exchanges. Now I can avoid the gas fees. That was the biggest stall point because back then I spent about $100 in gas to buy $20 of Satama when I first bought in. Now it's different. Now I can spend a hundred some odd dollars into Stama and have a much bigger bag than when I started. And then when it does recover, as I suspect it will, and I'm only using them as an example. The point is, is that I've now been able to benefit from this dip. Treat it that way. It's hard, but that's what you should do. Treat it as a discount. Just like if you go to the store and things are discounted, there's nothing wrong with it. They just have discounts. It happens. As long as you trust the project, there's nothing wrong with buying into it. If you don't trust the project, that's a different problem, obviously. Let's get into our news because I want to spend a little bit of time on the news because there's a lot going on. We are positioned to see Bitcoin and Ethereum get back up to where they were. I want to put in perspective how low these things have happened, um, have gone. They're down about 50% of where they peaked. Where This is huge because it means that there's a lot of sell activity on both of them. And we are seeing that, especially on the Bitcoin side. But it means discounts for anybody who was not able to buy into Bitcoin. I still maintain that I think 30000 is going to be the 
the lowest it ever gets. Some people still think 15 to 20 is possible. I'm skeptical of this. It could, but I'm hugely skeptical of that. I believe 30,000 is about the lowest I would see it. And even then, I'm not sure that it gets as far as 30. We're now seeing some new estimates. We're seeing that 19.5, so that's around the 20,000 mark, is going to be the base. If it goes that far, again, I think banks are going to make a rush for it. That's my opinion on it, and I'm just I'm skeptical. I'm truly skeptical it goes that low. There are bots on the exchanges that are trying to force the price up, but they're not having much success because there's not a lot of sentiment towards Bitcoin, and I'll tell you a possible reason why here in a minute. Ethereum, though, is starting to bottom out a little bit. This is good because, as I said before, I believe Ethereum, in my opinion, is more important to the stability of cryptocurrency than Bitcoin is at this point. Because Ethereum, every of these other networks is essentially forked in some way from either Bitcoin or Ethereum, more of them from Ethereum. So the success of Ethereum, unfortunately, governs the success of the, of the rest of these. If it's able to bottom out and then eventually come back up, we're going to see a lot more price rebound on the various altcoins and things. I, To me, I think it goes back up here in about the next month. That's my guess. Although it's having very strong sell pressure right now, I just believe that Ethereum is going to have, it's going to have to come back up just because of all the utility that's out there. There's so much use case for the Ethereum-based tokens and alternate networks. To me, that just, it seems like it, it would have to do it. There was a brief mention a little while ago about the ETH2. You could stake your ETH2 if you're on an exchange. Most every exchange supports the ability to stake your Ethereum level 1 into ETH2. And then, of course, you get rewards on it. I did that on Coinbase. I think it was a mistake, but it is what it is. Well, they there's a lot of money locked in there. There's billions, billions and billions of dollars locked in this dude. And so whenever they can get their freaking act together and get this thing out so that we can start benefiting from it, I think we're going to see some positive price movement just because you're going to see less gas that assumed less gas to where we could possibly get some more adoption of the network. They're talking about possibly June at this point. Now, I want to stress this is now a couple of years late, so this is not this is not fun. With this going live, they are trying to make it to where the current mining, which is the whole energy uses deep, deep, deep complaint, becomes less profitable, comes harder to do it, so that we can wean people off of that and onto the new proof of stake measure. Proof of stake is a whole different thing where now if you were to have a stake in any of these different core tokens that are part of Ethereum, you then can participate in the validation process, which is a lot less energy inefficient than what we currently have. But if we're waiting till June, I think June's going to be too late, and I think we're going to have a little bit more harm. But I do think Ethereum will come out. We just don't really know when. And then, of course, we're still talking tax season on the back end. I talked about the mayor, Eric Adams, in New York. And, of course, he claimed his uh, pay in cryptocurrency via Coinbase. And then, of course, immediately after he did that, his value tanked. In a way, I want to stress, he has not lost any money. And he's not. And I also want to stress, he is a Democrat. So when I say the current administration is anti-crypto, they are. But that doesn't mean that it's because they're Democrats. That's not the key. It's because of the current people that are there. The people that were, the, the guy they drug across the finish line, him. And I'll talk about that in a second. He is anti-crypto. Elizabeth Warren is anti-crypto. Maxine Waters is anti-crypto. Nancy Pelosi is anti-crypto for everybody else. She likes it for herself, but she's anti for everybody else. All the people in the Fed, people in the SAC, 
they're generally anti-crypto. They don't like it. They don't want you to have it. Eric Adams is kind of the opposite because he's a Democrat, which debunks the theory that Democrats in general are against it. They're not. And I want to be clear there. As a Democrat, he basically said, you know, it is what it is. I still support crypto and I support the freedom that it allows us to do and being able to buy in as a regular low-level investor. But he, to be clear, he hasn't lost anything because he didn't, I'm assuming he didn't sell. Because if he didn't sell, he hasn't lost anything. You only lose if and until you sell. If he hasn't sold, he hasn't lost. And trust me, when this dude rebounds, he might be bankrolling when it comes back up. So kudos to him for being a supporter of cryptocurrency and one of the very few to understand what the heck is going on about, you know, what we're dealing here. Because I, I don't know. We're looking at all the different countries now that are starting to do bans on crypto. Of course, there was China and then there was Russia. And as I said, it's all about energy use. At the end of the day, every time you see about it, it's about the energy usage. India is trying to talk about laws to crack down on crypto. India surprises me because India, generally speaking, has been very forward thinking. They've been very progressive, not regressive about things like new technologies and technological advancements so it's very surprising to see that and i'm suspect i'm suspecting somebody some other government got in their ear hint hint wink wink i have no proof but it is what it is there are 51 total nation states when we say nation states we're talking about nations that have governance of some sort there are 51 total nine of them so far have outright banned it that doesn't seem like a large number but if you think about it in in mathematic terms you're almost 20 percent almost 20% of our world has put a ban on cryptocurrency. That's not good, especially when you think about what crypto could do for those very same countries, especially with India. India should be at the forefront of this business, and for them to ban it is shocking to me, and I don't understand the reason or the justification, and the only logic, logical answer I can think of is that there's got to be somebody getting in their ear, telling them, and they're just acting, and they're not really thinking, and like the India PM that said, we got to get on the same page. There's no appetite to sit down as a group and figure out one answer. Some countries, though, they're embracing it. They're embracing mining. They're figuring out how to improve their grids and use clean energy technology to ease the process. They want to support payments. We saw El Salvador. They're bought into Bitcoin. And, but the challenge is that it's a major transition to get away from the legacy use of electricity as we know it and general energy so it's a time game we we have to be patient with it as ethereum figures out what the heck it's doing to where we can get away from proof of work by and large and then of course bitcoin's still going to be a thing it's still going to have mining i don't think it'll ever get away from proof of work so we still have to plan and i don't think these countries because they've resisted crypto for so long this is my opinion because they've resisted crypto for so long they were never positioned as far as infrastructure to scale to embrace it because they fought it for so darn long. They've always had the infrastructure to support people and people's usage. And they what they do is they plan around the people. Okay, we got 380 million Americans, so we need this much energy, assuming this many homes that are using this much therms and da 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 da, da. Instead of, okay, we know crypto is going to be a thing. We know there's going to be increasive usage. Let's make sure we have some pad room so that as we embrace this thing, we are ready to meet it. They never did that. And so you see countries where there's blackouts because of the crypto mining. Well, that shouldn't happen. That means you didn't scale your business. 
Then there's the push for clean, 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 clean. Got to go solar. We got to go wind. Despite all evidence that says that they cannot sustain the amount of people that we have. So then their response was, well, we just need to stop building more single family homes. They're running from the real problem, which is you got to scale it and you got to embrace things like nuclear because there's nothing wrong with nuclear as a clean tech. Coal has some issues, so let's not do coal, but nuclear has never been a problem. Nuclear just requires safety standards. I think what's happening is you get Chernobyl and other places and the incidents that happen there and it makes people nervous. And they're ultimately all about solar and wind that are really not as clean as you think because the technology that runs those is just as inefficient when you manufacture. So they're running from the problem. This is my opinion. And squawking about it and then banning it to me is not the right answer. And I think they're going to reverse it. I think they regret it. And we're going to be right back where we started, having wasted tons of money fighting a non-issue. Speaking of non-issues... Reports are coming out that the Biden administration is about to do an executive order on cryptocurrency. And of course, anytime you hear the terms Biden and executive order, you should be shaking your head because usually they're very poorly thought out. They're going to waste time. They're going to waste taxpayer money and they're not going to really solve the problem because it's basically dictatorial shit, right? Dictator. He wants to be a dictator. He wants to dictate the terms because the SEC is trying to take their time to really think it through. And that's not what he wants. He doesn't want to deal with the cryptocurrency. He wants to try to get it under control to where the low-level people cannot be well, made wealthy off of it because there's a risk of it. But he's reacting, I can tell, and people are getting in his ear. And, of course, we know he's not running the show. But people are getting in his ear about what's happened with Bitcoin and the crash and loss of billions of dollars. And so now they're saying, you know what, we got to just do something. Screw it. We're going to do this. This is going to go to court. It's going to get shot down, I guarantee you. But let me summarize kind of what's being talked about. What's being discussed at a high level is around the security, around the economic risks of cryptocurrency, around regulatory challenges to cryptocurrency, financial stability, illicit use of cryptocurrency. They're going to try to expand regulation of crypto to include more departments like the State Department, Commerce. This this ultimately is a response to the increased adoption of crypto in the point of sale. So your Doge of the world, your SHIB of the world, Bitcoin, and others where they're using it at point of sale and then they're the visa talking about getting involved. That's what the response is on that one and what they're trying to do there. When the Fed released the paper about their digital coin, they said, you know, we're, we're just trying to get some feedback and try to figure out what people think. It's open to public debate till May. So we're still considering it, but we did not take a position. We are not going to move unless White House and Congress make a move. The White House being what the dictators that they are just decided to make a move that's going to get shot down because ultimately this is something that needs to go through Congress because Congress is ultimately responsible anytime you are dealing with spend and finance and economics. What the what they're calling out, though, in the end run that I think they're trying to do is to basically say, we need to get a handle around this. We need some regs. We need some laws. Deep, deep, deep. Nobody disagrees with that. However, there are the conversations happening, and they want to do it right without being abrasive, and this is going to be perceived as the first step towards a ban. That's why I think it's going to get shot down when it does get confronted in court. I think it's going to get shot down straight away, and I wish that they had simply said, Congress, okay, we got this document about digital currency. Congress is up to you. You need to get something debated. The reason they didn't is because they know they wouldn't win because the current people in Congress that control both House House and Senate, they know that they're up for 2022. They know and they expect a blowout in 2022. So they're nervous to make any moves. Biden has nothing to lose right now because he's got two more years, at least 
assuming that it's not a blowout. If it's a blowout, he could get impeached and get kicked out of office too. I think it's a bad play. That's up to them. He's the one with the, you know, like his like one like the person he used to serve. I got a pen and I got a phone and I use that pen and da, da, da. Uniswap. The founder of Uniswap, his bank account gets shut down by Chase. There was some debanking, whatever debanking allegations that surfaced up, targeting an individual. I don't. There has been precedent for this where individuals have been targeted, at least their bank accounts have been targeted, but never to the degree that it's the leader of an organization like this because usually you have this corporate cronyism that kind of protects these. But sometimes when there are banks that they perceive a certain level of risk, they'll just take a take their own arbitrary stance. I mean, I've never had a Chase account closed, but I've had accounts closed over what they call risk or whatever it is. And they won't tell you why, they won't tell you what it is, which is the reason why I don't generally trust to keep my funds in banks. Now, I have some banks that I use now, and they've been pretty good to me for years. They've never given me any issue. But generally speaking, I, that's the reason I don't do that. The problem also, I think, has to do with crypto in general because the sentiment is changing. And what happens is when you see the United States government start taking actions that appear like they're about to ban a thing, you'll just see companies like like with the vaccine. You stick something in your arm. The government says, well, we should just do this. Come on, man. And then, of course, there's no real rule. There's no law. But because private businesses get freaked out by fear-based science, they just bow down. That's what I think also is happening here is that they're bowing down because you see, oh, Biden's about to do an executive order. We better get in front of that deep, deep, deep and just do whatever. This is scary. This frightens me uh, for numerous reasons, not just because it's him, not just because it's Chase, but because it sets a bad precedent. It sets a terrible precedent, and hopefully – he fights it and he's able to get back up normal. Some of the allegations seem kind of weird. I don't know, but apparently Kraken, which is another exchange, their CEO also had an issue back a couple of years ago. That's why I think it's kind of the slippery slope potentially with banks. And it could just be Chase. I don't know, which is interesting because Chase was one of the ones that was quote too big to fail and took a whole bunch of money to absorb Wachovia and others and Washington mutual or Wachovia might've been Wells. But the point is, uh, they certainly took over Washington Mutual and certain other banks, and they got a whole bunch of taxpayer money to help them out. And now we're seeing that they're doing this kind of a lockdown. It's a little bit of a slap in the face. OpenSea for the NFTs. If you followed OpenSea or heard about OpenSea, of course, OpenSea is the main place to go for NFTs. And the big thing right now is the Bored Ape series, which I think is crap, but apparently it's popular with some people. And as I said, as long as somebody finds value in it, okay, so be it. There apparently was another exploit, and I know you're hard keeping track of how many exploits there are with OpenSea, but there was another exploit. This one, this guy was able to buy this board ape that was super, super popular, but he was able to buy it for just a few dollars. Now, the significance of this is not the art, but the, the price, because these whole deals with the the, the board apes in particular, but all NFTs, these guys get like thousands of dollars. You've probably seen news articles about it. For him to get it for $6, that's bad because it means that he was able to bypass the 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 sale, the buy and sell engine and be able to set his own price and then do that. That is horrible, absolutely horrible. And the guy that did that, he said, you know, if you got an ape that's been listed for lower and then moved and it didn't get delisted, you need to remove all the permissions to try to stay safe. I don't think a lot of people could exploit this, but they potentially could. Um, exploit it and it could lead to a lot of losses even though they're not realized losses but the value of the thing right you get a thing 
and then people don't know and then they go and they put up an offer so you buy it for six dollars you post it for five thousand dollars it normally goes for twenty thousand dollars well you that's still huge money for you so that it's not good and then the last bit of news here xrp which is ripple of course that's the one that's being attacked by the u.s government as well it's actually more successful now than it was before it overtakes solana because solana its network is trashed and then it lost about 20 billion dollars which is roughly half of its entire value in a week of course this is the this is not the first time solana has gone down but it is interesting that xrp is somehow able to surpass even though it's under attack by the united states government i thought that was very interesting uh to see that and you know i think it's a, a win but it also goes back to why the united states government is stepping into business that's none of its um, because they don't again they don't want to see low-level traders like you and i succeed under any circumstances because they want people to be dependent on the government at least in the united states and of course other countries are doing bans that make no sense because energy uses do, do, do. and we see that the token could succeed and thrive even under the worst of situations and it's not allowed to because there's all these all this noise all this different legal and political noise that's just harming the overall adoption of a thing so that's all i got for the news for today i'm not going to i probably i mean i'm going to keep covering news obviously but i'm not going to go to this much depth on future episodes just because there's a lot going on right now and i'm going to refine down to just a few few key points you know ethereum certainly bitcoin certainly uh, and maybe anything that's a, a security risk or vulnerability potentially to you or something where I think that there's a direct financial impact that's potential to you. I'll just refine it going forward. This one was significant because there's a lot of significance in what I covered. And if you heard, it's like executive orders and all this nonsense have a strong potential to already harm something that's been disrupted in the industry. And I didn't want to see that. So let's go ahead and get into our underdog token for today. And this one will take me a little bit of time, but I want to just make sure I give it some time and go through it because I've not, I purposely avoided it. I don't want to say avoided, that's not fair. But I purposely avoided it, it's true, um, because I wanted to do more research. I wanted to make sure I had all my ducks in a row and I want to make sure I researched it as clean and clear as possible so that I gave it the justice that it deserved. Because I still, even now, it's not that I don't like it or do like it, it's just I wanted to understand more about it. But there was limited information that I could glean from this one but I do think it's one of those unsung stars that potentially could break out and be something. That one's called Kiba Inu, K-I-B-A, Inu. Site is kibainu.org. They've changed sites. They've made some refinements, and this is why I said I wanted to learn about it and give it a fair chance because they've been doing a lot of refinements and improvements to try to improve the state of the token over time. It's on the Binance Smart Chain. And... It does a good job of at least explaining why they do what they do, which is to try to, they, they embrace the fact that they're a meme. They embrace the fact that it's a meme token that is not, they're, they're not trying to, they're not trying to solve the world hunger or reforest trees, or they're not trying to be the next blockchain necessarily. They're not trying to do these lofty things. They acknowledge they're a meme token and they want to focus on utility. So they create all these different applications and that's what their time and attention is focused directly towards. And they're open and upfront about that, and I appreciate that of them. They also have a very well-done tool that talks about the, the bridge that they offer, the fact that you can buy it on different networks, and then they go into detail about sponsors. Now, the sponsors is what caught my eye, and then I'll go back to tokenomics. So 
Some of these are other countries, and I wasn't aware of them. European Cricket League, I'm aware of it, but don't know deep details. Odisha, which I don't know anything about. Alfa Romeo, everybody knows Alfa Romeo Racing. They've been around forever. And then Udinese Calcio. I didn't know anything about that one. Still don't know anything about that one. But I do see that they have links directly to these for the partnerships with these with brands that are likely known internationally. And Alfa Romeo in particular is known. So I haven't seen a coin that has partnered with strong, you know, normal, regular businesses in this fashion before. It's always been the shillers that they jumped to. So the fact that they made these strong partnerships, that caught my eye. And I wanted to dig a little bit more to understand, okay, so from an investor perspective, there's an obvious value because any partnership makes sense. Well, the partnerships that they've got are really good. They're branding partnerships. They're awareness partnerships. And they talk about the different utilities that they're doing. They're talking about the 2021 Formula One World Championship. Um, They've got a car that's got the brand on it. This is huge to me because it means that there should be a strong awareness that comes out of these partnerships at some point in the future. And it may be that the current state of the industry and society and the pandemic is harming what should otherwise be a skyrocketing token for what I can tell. Getting into tokenomics, it's got a two trillion total supply. They have two different chains. So I believe that's Ethereum. Yes. And then Pan- or, um, uh, BSE, Binance Smart Chain are the two different chains that they're on. They're also traded on BitMart and Hotbit if you want to buy on the exchange. Central Exchange, they also have their own swap tool. You can swap between the different exchanges with the bridge. Each one, the Binance and Ethereum, have their own market caps. This means that you can look and see the performance of the token on each different chain and then make a decision which way you want to go, but you can also watch the price behavior on each different chain separately. This is different than some other tokens where it's a shared market cap because they've, they've pegged, as it's called, the price movement together between the two. ID Finance has a very similar structure where the Binance and the Ethereum are fundamentally separate. Of course, that, the down point there is that nobody's buying on the Binance chain because the marketing has not been strong for ID. Here, the marketing has been strong enough to where the market caps are pretty darn close to each other. So that's good. The only downside of the tokenomics that I saw then was that they have, there's a 9% total as far as the tax, 1% goes to reflections, 8% goes to marketing. And if you remember what I said on other tokens, I don't like to see that there's significant amounts gone to the marketing side as opposed to the reflections back to the investors. Here's where I'm going to diverge from that statement from before, because in this case, we can see tangible reasons why that amount was necessary Because on the other one, I said, I need to understand why do you need so much freaking money? Here I can see why. You're dealing with major players on your partnerships, and they're going to require major money of you, especially Alfa Romeo. God, geez. So this I at least understand. Now, okay, we need that much money in order to do this. And the tax is not unreasonable total, and you're still able to make some performance out of of the marketing that you've got. Now, of course, we've got to see the results of these marketing and partnerships we haven't seen the full results of that yet so that that's going to time will tell right to see how that's going to turn out but here is the one exception where i'm okay with the marketing wallet being so large because they're actually giving evidence why it has to be you're partnering with mainstream companies mainstream exposure not shillers you're not giving it as far as i can tell to shillers you're giving it to main companies who are there to ultimately help awareness of the token get spread on a mainstream scale and that's huge to me so i love to see that as well 
They're available on Telegram predominantly, but they do have other platforms, including Twitter as well. Uh, they got the GitHub out there. They're on Instagram, which many tokens are not. Uh, they also have a YouTube channel, Discord, it looks like. And then they have alternate languages, and they have an email address if you want to contact them. The first phase was to basically get, get up, get listed. They prioritize getting on the exchanges, the centralized exchanges. I love that they did that because so many tokens suck at doing that. So kudos to them for making the smart decision because from an, from an awareness perspective, they pretty much covered all the bases, right? You got partnerships with mainstream companies, plus you went to the centralized exchanges, at least two of them. You know, BitMart, I think not much of, but it's better than not being on exchange at all like Affinity. So I'm cool on that. Phase two, they're talking about increasing the number of holders. It looks like they have less than 40,000 as of now. So it's early. It's early in the process. They're going to be working on a game. They're going to be working on some NFTs and then getting on a little bit more exchanges that are kind of larger level exchanges. Plus, they're releasing more of these tools, these utility tools that I talked about in the second phase. Third phase, increase more holders. They're going to look at a DAO, which, of course, is the popular thing to do now. My concern here, and it's not a big concern, but I'm reacting because of Floki. Right now, as far as I can tell, of course, you got reflections, right? And you got the marketing wallet and everything's cool and great. But if it turns out that due to the DAO transition that they're trying to do, they have to do the same gutting that Floki had to do, I think it harms the project. So what I'm eager to see is, and if any of them are listening to this and I will at them on social media, I want the smoke. I would love to have you on the show to try to better understand why you can't have the best of both worlds. Why can you not have the reflections and the existing mechanics and have the DAO, or even better, let the DAO govern whether or not you do reflections and how the reflections work. But I want to, I don't want to see the same impact to the investors that Floki did. And it's been harmed by those decisions, but I don't want to see the same impact where you're losing critical value add functions just in your seek to get a DAO and to try to understand why. And if they can share any additional information, that would be good. And if they say, no, screw that. We don't need to, we're going to always have reflection. Screw that. It doesn't matter. Then I'm, then I'm more skeptical about Floki's motivations. If that's true, I just don't understand how can one do a DAO and still have these benefits and the other do a DAO and not. So, if you guys are listening on What the Smoke, if you want to come on the show, I would love to talk to you and best understand what that's all about a little bit better than I do because I'm not on the inside of the negotiations with the various exchanges. So that's an open invitation because they're an open invitation. Now let's talk about the other things that I don't necessarily or do and don't, let's say both, do and don't like to see. What I do like to see is they do have a CERTIC audit that was performed Looks like the CERTIC audit was performed back in December. They didn't have any critical findings, and most of the findings that they had are the same issues we see with every contract, basically around the owner and what the owner can do because it doesn't look like it's renounced, as far as I can tell. If they are renounced, please do chime in on the show, and we can talk about it or you know respond to my at with that clarification. But as far as I can tell, it is not renounced as of this time, which isn't a bad thing. Because as I've said, it's not about whether you're renounced or not. It's about whether you trust the people running the project. So far, they appear to be very transparent with what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. And they've worked very hard to make sure that there's strong utility to the project, which is very important because, you know, it might be perceived as a throwaway deal if you are not actively engaged in building something. Are you creating something? Are you doing something that adds utility to the project? And if you're not, 
that might be kind of an issue. And I want to briefly talk about some of the tools and then I'll wrap it up with the one thing I don't like, definitely don't like. Uh, Kiva FOMO is a tool that they've got. Kiva FOMO, as described, is basically to go and try to identify if these are honeypot tokens. So I love to see tools like that. There's a separate honeypot checker that's not live yet, as far as I can tell. Um, but it looks like it's for Ethereum and then Kiva FOMO's for any chain. So it might be the Kiva FOMO is the new and honeypots is the previous. Of course, Kiva Swap I talked about. Kiva Tools doesn't let me in because I don't have any tokens in this wallet specifically. Let me talk about real quick what I don't like, and it may be here and I'm just not seeing it, which would be an issue in of itself. I'm not seeing a white paper anywhere on the site. If it's there, it's not in an obvious place where I think it should be. And I'm talking about a straight PDF that allows me to understand more about the tokenomics and more about the team and more about the motivations and everything else. The website's decently thorough, but it's not as informational as I'd like to be. Most of this would come from the white paper that I would expect to be here. But again, I don't see it. So if again, if you guys are out there and you're listening, I want the smoke. If you have a white paper, please guide me to where it is. If it's like a Git book type thing, you know, I'm not a fan of the Git book thing. I think I want a PDF that's flat. Again, that's Kiba Inu, kibainu.org on the Binance chain. Take a look at that one. See if it makes any sense for you and your portfolio. That's all I got for you today. I probably will not be back in the afternoon. I guarantee you this will pass. Just keep watching and keep waiting.